0: I've been around the block with uh, with web startups and ping pong tables and kombucha on tap don't really do it for me like I did like they did when I first joined the ecosystem. And so building something that's good for the world is has been what keeps me going.
1: I'm Tor Bear from Enigma and welcome to Decentralize This. Hello, hello, and welcome to another episode of Decentralize This, presented by Enigma. I'm Tor Baer, I'm the head of growth for Enigma, and on today's episode, I am speaking with Kevin Owaki. Kevin is the founder and self-described chief janitor of Gitcoin, a blockchain-based incentivization layer for open source software. Gitcoin helps connect developers that are eager to contribute to open source projects with projects that are offering bounties for development work. Kevin himself is an experienced developer, and he's passionate about strengthening the foundations and expanding the impact of open source software. On this episode, Kevin talks with me about the beginnings and the future of Gitcoin, what sustainability means for open source and for blockchain, and how to design for humans in a space that often abstracts them away. Kevin's passion for open-source software and for supporting developers is evident, and Gitcoin is doing awesome work to help grow the space for people as well as projects. Uh, And at Enigma, we're excited to be using Gitcoin ourselves for some bounties because we know how powerful their platform can be. I cannot wait for you guys to learn more about what they're building. So without any further introduction, here is Kevin Iwaki. Kevin, thank you so much for joining me on this episode of Decentralize This. I'm super excited to have this conversation.
0: Yeah, thanks so much for having me on. Appreciate it.
1: So, we start every episode the same way uh, just personally, professionally. Who are you? Who's Kevin? Tell me.
0: <laughs> so, I'm Kevin Owaki. I am an open source hacker and software engineer, entrepreneur from Colorado. Been doing tech stuff ever since I was a teenager and have just been really interested in programming and computers ever since I was young. I uh, professionally am the founder of Gitcoin these days. Gitcoin's mission is to grow and sustain open source software. We believe that open source software has been a massive good for the world and that it's created billions of dollars in economic value for the world over the last 20 years since the open source movement started. And now that we have cryptocurrency and we have blockchain, there's actually an opportunity for software developers to capture some of the value that they've created in the world because uh, now we have uh, entire open source financial system that has billions of dollars chasing too few developers. And I think that one of the things that's really interesting about the cryptocurrency ecosystem is that all of the money that used to be routed to some back office on Wall Street in the old financial system is now being routed to open source software. And so, uh, like I said, I'm the founder of Gitcoin. Gitcoin's mission is to grow and sustain open source software and we wanna build the rails through which people are gonna be deploying capital to software developers. and Hopefully create more value for the people who are creating open source software and and uh, and allow people to hire easier using cryptocurrency and and crypto networks
1: amazing so, so it sounds like obviously before you got in, started working on Gitcoin and everything else that you already had a relationship with open source software and with this idea of sustainable ecosystems so before you started all this, what were you working on what what was keeping you up at night?
0: Sure, yeah, so I uh, when I graduated from school I got a bachelor's degree in computer science t- two thousand six from Delaware. Uh, they sort of ushered me into corporate America uh, their career services center just I had a bunch of interviews with big banks and in, in corporate corporate people, and I didn't really know that startups were a thing, and this is 2006, so it was before it was before Facebook was really big, it was before before the startup ecosystem, uh, at least the, that I knew about being in Delaware. And so I spent two years in corporate America, I really hated it, and I, I started building Facebook games nights and weekends in order to uh, just, just do coding and not have to deal with corporate BS. But uh, off the back of that, I, I I was actually making more money off of my Facebook games than I was off of my corporate entry-level job. So that was like a sign for me that startups were going to be my calling. And I eventually engineered an offer to go through Techstars out here in Colorado. So I quit my corporate job, broke my lease, and moved out to Colorado. And that's where I cut my teeth on, on startups. And so I've basically been doing web startups ever since 2008, two years out of school. And everything that I've been doing has been based off of open source software. I've been standing on the shoulders of giants every time I build a new startup. I don't build my own database. I don't build my own web server. I use open source software to get all those things out of the box. And so I think that open source has propelled my career to to a place where it wouldn't have been if there weren't all those things out of the box. And so I think that we all sort of take for granted that there's this Infrastructure of of open source software that that powers the web applications that that we use today, and and I think that you can only take that for granted so much. I mean, I think that there is a counterfactual where Microsoft could have won uh, the the cloud server wars, and we'd all be we'd all be using our XP laptops and using Windows XP Server, and maybe Bitcoin wouldn't have th- be a thing. Maybe we'd have XP Coin or something like that. And uh, I just think we have to be thankful for, for the free and open internet and for, for open source software and, and that if we can build economic incentives into open source software, then that's the best way to, to show appreciation for those developers to allow them to pay their mortgage and uh, support their family with the work that they're doing in, in open source. So I guess the, the, the positioning of Gitcoin is based off of my experience having built a 10-year career in startups on top of open source software.
1: That's amazing. So before we talk specifically about like how Gitcoin is going to carry us forward for the next you know decade and beyond and, and continue to amplify the impact of open source, Tell me about how you think open source has already changed like in the last decade since you were starting in the startup world in 2008 mm-hmm. through the present day. Obviously there's already been a lot of changes with how this ecosystem has evolved, how it's been supported. What what's changed just since you started out that you already think is, you know, either an amazing thing or uh maybe something that you actually think is kind of dangerous?
0: Yeah. It's a great question. Uh, I think that open source software, We we've I've, I've given a talk about open source sustainability and the way we like tee off the talk is to talk about how prolific open source is in the world. And I think the stat was that something like 80% of code bases have open source software that they depend upon. And it depends on which industry you're in. Some of them are up to 99% and some of them are as low as, as 10 or 30%. And just the prolificness of, of of open source, I think, is what's so stunning, stunning to me. And I think that for that, we owe a lot to the rise of Git and GitHub as a collaboration layer for open source software. I mean, before GitHub, there was this thing called SourceForge, where you could go and download pieces, packages of software, and then you could compile them your, yourself and install them on your on your computer and. And I think that that was, that was sort of an MVP for open source software. But the collaboration features, being able to create pull requests, being able to comment on code disk, and uh, all of the nice features that are built on top of GitHub have really propelled the open source ecosystem to, to new heights where you can actually collaborate with someone across the world at a level of quality that... Is almost as good as as sitting sitting next to them because of these collaboration tools. And so, I think the rise of of GitHub is is something that's that's really created a tailwind for open source software and its its impact on the world. And then the last obvious example, which has only happened in the last, let's call it, well, depends on depends on what subgroup you're in, but Bitcoin, the Bitcoin white paper was. Written in 2008, released in 2009, and I think that Bitcoin has really started to hit the mainstream over the last three to five years, or at least the early adopters. And and wow, how how stunningly big of an ambition did Satoshi Nakamoto have when he decided he was going to take he or she decided that they were going to take on the financial system and create open source money? I mean, I just think that that's a level of cojones that that you know the scope of that ambition is just huge, and so uh, I guess the answer to your question is threefold. Just the the rise and proliferation of open source software is one. GitHub is is number two, and then Bitcoin is is I think the the third great example of how open source is changing the world.
1: I, I definitely think that it, you know, especially with Bitcoin, it's an example of how we now have to think more expansively about what open, so- open source software is and can be or just what software itself is and can be what code can be this is a conversation we weren't having at least at this scope even a few years ago and now you know code is money code is law whatever you want to you know start saying code is or isn't like th- now that you know it, we've we've created this open ecosystem for code it's it's become a part of everyday life for all of us, and and it starts to raise a lot of serious questions about how it's governed, or or in the case of Gitcoin, how it's funded. So I think we're ready to talk specifically about Gitcoin, and I want to know why you feel like so. First of all, you know what and why is it? Why is this filling a void? Why is this solving a problem? And then specifically, like you know what what is the the source of your passion about it? Like how do you, how do you keep working on? something like this that is really a, a massive undertaking as I think will be clear to the audience in a second.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think that building a mission driven company has for me been one of the most important things uh, about designing the, the value proposition of Gitcoin. I believe that it, you know, if, if your audience lived through the 2017 token, token craze, then they'll know that there's all these ICOs and everyone was going to create like DentaCoin or uh, you know a coin for every single part of the economy. And part of the idea was that, oh, we're going to create these, this community of investors that's going to support our project, and they're going to be free help on marketing and free help on advisory stuff. And, and it's going to be because they have this economic incentive to use our product. And they're going to have this economic incentive to do X. And so one of the tropes that I think existed in 2017 was that if you, if you just take a human and you put in a token, then you're going to get some sort of action out. And I think that what we found was actually... Not really that. I think mean, we, like, we found that these investors are much more transactional. Uh, they'll buy your token one day, and then they'll decide they don't want it, and they'll trade it all away. And they and there wasn't really any stickiness to all these projects that did all these token launches. I mean, maybe the best ones, but. One of of my theses was that people are more intrinsically motivated than, than the token designers were giving them credit for. And so I think that people want to work on something that has an impact on the world, something that aligns with their value. And yes, they want to get compensated for it. But if you're able to strike a chord with intrinsic motivation, then you can do a whole lot more than you could if the extrin- if you just focus on on extrinsic motivation and monetary rewards and intrinsic motivation can in a lot of ways be be more powerful and so by orienting gitcoin uh, around a mission of growing and sustaining open source software uh, i mean first off we're doing it because we believe in the mission and we believe that it's an economic uh, an economic and moral right for the world for open source to proliferate and grow. It's kind of the original decentralized network. It um, so I, I guess it's a combination of of what's actually good for the world and then marketing that we've built on top of that. So our mission is to grow and sustain open source software, and and that's what keeps me up. Uh, keeps me up at night and and helps me get up in the morning and want to work on this project is that I think that we're doing something good for the world and we're lucky to have our economic incentives aligned with with our moral uh, moral moral incentives to to do something good for the world. So I've been around the block with uh, with web startups and ping pong tables and kombucha on tap don't really do it for me like I did like they did when I first joined the ecosystem. And so building something that's good for the world is, has been what keeps me going.
1: Yeah. I, I think we can, we can agree on that. And I've, I've lived through the startup space for a while and now, you know, I, I have no kombucha, I have no ping pong table, I have my home office, but there's something about being a part of a larger mission that is, that that is very aligning, even when you work on a decentralized team. And I think that's something a lot of us in this space have, have discovered it, it can be an intrinsic motivator just to know you're working with the right people on the right problems, even if they're not next to you. Uh, it, it can feel that way, knowing that there's this more expansive mission. Uh, so I want to talk about two things that you raised. One would be sustainability. The other would be, you know, the human element of all of this. But right before we get to that, maybe you can tell me like, or just spend a couple minutes like specifically, like how does Gitcoin work? Like what is the actual like Gitcoin product and, and who's using it?
0: Yeah, uh, so Gitcoin is a place where well, we've got a product suite that's all designed to solve the open source incentivization problem in different ways. But but the, the primary product that we launched with is a bounty product. And so the way that works is that if you just have a, uh, if you need some feature completed or or bug turned around or documentation changed to your software repo, Then before you would either have to fix it yourself or you would have to find someone who could fix it. And so what Gitcoin allows you to do is attach an Ether or any Ethereum token to, uh, to a feature request or a bug report, and then we'll source a developer from across the world will work on it and and you can get it turned around by just adding some eth to the issue. And so the idea was we're decoupling the need for something to get done from the from the uh, imperative that you have to do it yourself or find someone your your to 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 turn, to turn it around. Now you just have a one click way to find a developer across the world who can tackle it for you. And so it's quite a powerful way of Paying developers to 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 get something done on your your software repo. So we launched that product about eighteen months ago, and since then, I've done one point five million dollars worth of value transfer on the platform.
1: Wow, that's an impressive number for for such a short amount of time. And so, what are the other aspects of Gitcoin that you're exploring? Because I know I know like grants and bounties is really just like one part of the equation. What else are you working on?
0: Yeah, so Bounties is what we launched with. I um, we, we recently have uh, launched an ethical advertising platform called CodeFund. And basically, the way that works is that if you're a software developer with a popular software repository that you've built, then by definition, you have an audience that's following your work. And we give you a way to monetize that audience by letting you put ads up on your, on whatever web property that you have, whether it's a mailing list or a newsletter or something like that. And, and we allow you to monetize that, that audience. And the way that we're differentiated from the big players in online advertising is that we're only trafficking in ethical advertising. So basically, uh, if you're a software developer who has an audience, and you don't want to sell out that audience to Google or to Facebook, then you can use CodeFund and monetize them for almost as much, but without having, ha- having tracking and um, and remarketing and all that kind of nasty stuff, the privacy invading stuff that you would get if you had Google and Facebook. And so it's a way for you to monetize your audience in open source software by just putting products in front of them that will be useful, that will be useful to them. And so it's kind of complimentary to so bounties and 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 the other products in the suite because it solves the same problem of growing and sustaining open source software, but just in a different complementary way.
1: I mean, that sounds amazing to me. I am very familiar with the the privacy invasion of, of traditional advertising solutions. Uh, and this does seem to be, again, going back to this original mission about sustainability for the open source ecosystem and sustainable economic models for participants like developers and people who are maintaining these code bases. Now, with Enigma, we talk a lot about the link between specifically like privacy and sustainability and why these are so connected. And for me, that's because, you know, you can't have a sustainable ecosystem where everything is by necessity public all of the time. There's reasons that, you know, certain data or or shouldn't be, public knowledge to all players, especially because it can lead to centralization and monopolization if you've created the best way to capture a process and monetize this data you you have to be able to protect it, permission it, etc So there's a big relationship there. So what does sustainability mean for you either in or outside the context of open source? I we've already talked a little bit about like economic sustainability, creating you know self-sustaining, Models for participants in these ecosystems, but how else do you think about sustainability, either for the people or, or for the world that
0: we're building? Man, yeah, that's a, such a great question, and it's so broad. I almost don't even know where where to start. I mean, I think that for me, one of the one of the reasons why I really believe in open source sustainability. So I, I suppose I'll just start with the domain expertise that I have is that, is that uh, I think that to me, there has always been an imbalance between creating value for the world and, and capturing value for, for yourself. Um, and I think that there's these sort of local maximas and minimas where... Uh, where these two things are really out of whack with each other in the world, and and I believe that open source is just an example of of a place where there's software developers that have created economic infrastructure that creates millions or millions of dollars of of economic output, and they just have no ability to capture that value. And so, if you think about sustainability of of the economy well, you've you've basically got a problem if you're creating an incentive structure such that people are incentivized to only work on products where they're cap where they're capturing a lot of value and not not creating as much value as they capture as they capture. I mean, that's not that's not a way that you grow an economy. That's not a way you grow an ecosystem. You need to have uh, as many producers as as you have consumers. And so, I think that uh, one of the exciting things about about cryptocurrency is that now you have this this Internet of Money that's reducible down to down to atomic bits of value, and you've got smart contracts so you can program your values into your money. And so now we've got a substrate at which people who are creating value can, in theory, capture the value that they're creating in the world. And I'm talking in the most abstract terms terms here. But uh, I I do believe that the Internet of money is going to enable new business models that didn't exist before, just like the Internet of information created new ways of cataloging information that didn't exist before. I mean, go back to Yahoo.com and try to go through their directory of their taxonomy of of products that uh, products and websites that exist in the world. I mean, they basically took the library card catalog system and put it on the Web, whereas Google created a fundamentally new way of traversing information with with the Internet. And so I think that we're gonna see the exact same thing with the Internet of Money in the ability for people to create business models that are fundamentally native to the internet, that are fundamentally native to the internet of money. And I'm really excited to see to see what that what that looks like as it matures. I mean, I think we're in a pretty Immature, immature spot in the internet of money right now. And, and we're relearning a lot of the lessons that people probably learned in the 20s with the growth of the traditional financial system, how to spot fraud, how to create ratings for what assets are good stuff like that. But there's going to be the state of nirvana in the next 10 years where the system is humming and it's working way better than the old system used to. And, and I'm really excited to, to keep running towards that that horizon every day and, I, and so i don't know just to tag it back to to your question about about sustainability i believe that we've got these this internet of money that's going to allow us to capture as much value as we create and create as much value as we capture align those incentives and i think that that's an important thing for sustainability of of the economic system and of the world
1: yeah i'm hearing a lot of you know not just optimism in what you're saying, but you know, like you're emphasizing this idea of balance that to be sustainable, there has to be balance between these different elements of the system. And, and maybe you can help me with a paradox here because as we're sprinting fast, right, as we're kind of breaking things in the, in the nascent internet of money, decentralization space, it, it can be tough to figure out how that's going to lead to something balanced or sustainable. It feels like we're constantly going to be overshooting and correcting uh, you know, and mostly just trying to make sure we're, ca- you know, creating more benefit than we're causing harm. How can we make sure that, like, even as we try to maintain like a high pace of uh, iteration, that we're still always keeping in mind this idea of like balance and sustainability when it's so tempting to just want to like do everything fast as hard as possible all the time. <laughs>
0: I think you might have the wrong guest on your show to answer that question. I'm notorious for overworking myself and getting burnt out. And uh, I don't have a lot of balance in my in my personal life, but it's just because the opportunity is is so big and I'm so obsessed with with making Gitcoin into into all it can be. Um there's this I did a I did a project manager training back in my my startup days before I got into blockchain and I guess there's this proverb that says something like if you want to go if you want to go fast go alone but if you want to go far go to go together and I, I don't know if I totally believe it but that's something that my team reminds me every once in a while when I'm when I'm burning the candle on on both ends and and trying to do too much.
1: Well, this is a good transition to talking about well, the other point I wanted to raise, which is people. And I feel like a lot of projects and technologists, especially maybe in the blockchain decentralization space, but maybe just in tech in general, people really like to abstract away humans a lot of the time. And they'll design these systems and, you know, they'll they'll introduce all kinds of metrics that don't actually have any sort of basis in in the people behind them. So like they'll bypass identity and they'll focus on wallet addresses or fees paid in a network and and suddenly we've lost sight of the fact that it's supposed to be you know people users we're supposed to be changing the world for people Uh, and what you're doing with gitcoin and how you've described it with this idea of like peer-to-peer jobs i'm curious how do you think like you can be contributing and gitcoin can be contributing and all of us be contributing to designing for people you know involving people supporting people uh, how can we have a better focus on that human element when the humans who are involved, maybe you included, are, are not themselves sustainable?
0: Right. Yeah. I mean, I, I think it's an interesting question. I do believe that. I do believe that. Well, well, first off, you just have to start with who your customer is and what the use case is, and work backwards from there. I mean, there's some people who are working on market making products that are they're just quite frankly like you're you're focused on the robotics and you're focused on automation and if you're if if your product isn't built around people then there's no reason to 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 really be concerned about this but i do think that uh, i think the internet of money is going to change a lot of things about the world and i believe that uh, like like the internet of information changed everything about about information from our media to our politics to uh, the way we entertain ourselves. I do think the internet money is going to change everything uh, about people interact with how people interact with value transfer in the world. And so that means not only investments and speculation, uh, but it probably also means things like gambling, things like gaming. I think it also, it I think it's also going to change peer to peer jobs. And when it comes to, to to -to peer-to-peer jobs. Well, I think that that by definition needs to be oriented around workers and employers. And and at least right now in the year 2019, most most employers uh, are not DAOs, they're companies and and most employees are uh, have not been roboticized away. They they're actually people and you have to design around that. And so I You can say Uber. It's okay. Yeah, it was interesting. I've actually been reading this future work report that Vanguard just put out in 2018. And so um, it's the basic and repetitive tasks right now that are being automated away. And so you're seeing this shift in the economy from uh, the economic output in the year 2000 of uniquely human tasks, the things that require situational awareness and decision making and trade-offs was 30% in 2000. Now it's up to 50% in 2018. And so you're seeing this shift in in what kind of jobs people are are doing. And it's been driven by by automation into uniquely human tasks. But uh, I would love to see our economy become more peer-to-peer when it comes to jobs as blockchain starts to take over. And I actually wrote this talk that I gave in in 2018 called How to Build a Mesh Network of Human Beings. And so the idea here is that um, if anyone out there is a computer nerd, they know that a mesh network is sort of a peer-to-peer network of computers that all exchange information in a peer-to-peer way as opposed to going through some fiber backbone that requires a lot of administrative overhead to to create a peer-to-peer network is a network in which all nodes are equal. And so that's what I want to see in our our jobs economy by the year 2030, as blockchain starts to take over, I would love to see people do mortgages through their peer-to-peer network and crowdfund their money for a house, as opposed to going through a bank. I would love to see people work for each other in a local mesh, network of jobs that's enabled by blockchain as opposed to working for chase bank down the street and i think that that's one of the things that makes me the most optimistic about blockchain is that we're actually going to create that world by creating decentralized technologies and and peer-to-peer money
1: it's a really exciting vision i i mean like it's so hard for me to get excited about it until it's existing you know and and maybe it's because you know this is the way the entire world works today is like everything is a centralized company that you've gone to work for and there's insurance companies and there's this 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 like maybe it's hard to imagine those models like some of it to me still you know centralized systems are good for some things in terms of like if you can centralize risk instead of like making individuals deal with their own risks like this is something that has yeah. always fascinated me like we we that's part of sustainability though like as we're designing these systems right like it's as you're saying we want to create more opportunities by be creating these mesh networks of people by creating peer-to-peer jobs. At the same time, we don't want it to challenge people's livelihoods. We want them to understand that this is actually creating a more sustainable and prosperous future for them, uh, even if it seems more uncertain in the short term. Like that—that's the bridge that I think needs to be crossed. Like how—how how can we help yeah. people get on board with this vision when it—when it is really scary? to want to move away from what's comfortable and familiar about, about the legacy world, but that also has created a lot of problems.
0: Yeah. Um, that's a really great question. And I think it's, you know, there's, there's an old trope that, uh, you can't get uh, someone to understand something if their job depends on not understanding it. Right. And so there's some really hard truths in, in the shift from an industrial economy that's um, built around maybe agriculture or, or industry into a more information economy that's going to be built on, well, I don't know, we'll see what the new economy is built on. But I, I do think that there's a lot of different drivers of change that are are confluencing together. I mean, you've got the automation of work that's, that's happening and we've already sort of touched on that. Uh, you've got atomization of work with the gig economy. Uh, you've got trends in software around open source software and remote work, and you've got blockchain driving the tokenization of the economy, or maybe not driving the tokenization of the economy, but uh, at some at in, in sometime in the next ten years, I think it's a lot of people's vision that blockchain will drive the tokenization of the economy, and everyone will will own a piece of everything. and And so, I think that you've got these macro tailwinds that are driving a lot of change in the way in the way work exists and and you can either fight those tailwinds or you can embrace them and think well how do we create a just world that is that is going to fly in 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 these 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 new uh this new ecosystem and so for me what i want to do is i want to see us uh, first off like for with atomization of work i think it's bullshit that that Uber and Upwork and uh, and Fiverr and all these other gig economy companies think that they can just own everyone's employment. I think that there's a massive intermediary and centralization risk that's associated with that. And you hear about these poor Uber drivers that have invested 20K into getting a new car and they do 500 trips, and then they get deactivated for for some reason, whether it's just or not. And they're stuck with this car loan, and they have no appeals process because uh, because they're just a commodity to Uber uh, and Lyft. And I think that that's a problem. I don't think that any company should be able to own the substrate for employment for an entire economy. Um, and then the second thing I think that's going to be really important as we move more into an ad- it, into a world where work is atomized or automated or, or tokenized is that we need to figure out how to take the things that are bundled with work in the 20th century, things like insurance and healthcare and, uh, and and things in retirement benefits. We need to figure out how to bundle those up with work in the 21st century and in 21st century native, native types, types of structures. And I think that the stakes of this are just huge. I mean, I want to retire one day. I don't want to be working until I'm 95. I want to have insurance so that if I if my me or my family comes down with an illness that I have a safety net and I can bounce back and go back into the workforce. I mean, these are just these are not just moral rights. These are economic. Uh, These are good for the economy also. And so I think that it's incumbent upon the people who are designing the future of work to to figure these things out. And luckily we're still early. And so there's still time to figure these things out. But, uh, I think that I think that you've got to be optimistic and that you've got to be hopeful because if you're not hopeful, then you're, then you're fearful. And so we just need to get ahead of it and, and create a better, uh, a better substrate for jobs in the 21st century.
1: I, yeah, I completely agree at least about the fact that like, you know, expecting technologists alone to somehow solve something that's a systemic problem. is like, there's so many reasons not to take a risk right now from everything that you've described. Like, And we need more people who are willing to take those risks in order to build the sustainable system we want. We can't have a system that's only designed by people who are comfortable in the short term taking the risks to design these things. And one of the things that's been really exciting about the blockchain space is seeing a lot of projects that can be self-funded and, and projects that are that are finding ways to survive and thrive despite being... Very non-traditional. And I look forward to more innovation sure. in that area. So I have I have yeah. one, I don't know if it's the last topic of conversation, but we're getting close to, to that. Uh, but one thing that we always struggle with at Enigma is that a lot of non-technical people want to contribute to open source projects. You know, whether you're saying it's for extrinsic or intrinsic motivations, but they do want to contribute. They want to be part of a vision. I think it speaks to this very, very human drive to want to be part of something larger than yourselves. And they have this vision that, yes, this is the way that the future is going to be created and that this is the way that the world is heading. Not all of them are going to sit down and start coding. And a lot of them have extremely valuable skills, at least in the world as it stands today, that are not code. So it would be silly to try to convince them to all become coders when they have so much more to offer. What role can non-technical people play in contributing to open source ecosystems? And how can we better support them so that they can play that role to the best of their ability and get this future here faster?
0: Yeah, I think that that's a great question, and I don't know that I'm the person that's as qualified to answer it since I'm running a decentralized network of coders, <laughs> uh, and that's that's sort of been my passion and organizing principle for Gitcoin since the beginning, but I, I do believe that, uh, like you said, there is a role for people who are not coders in the 21st century. Um, and that should just go without saying. I mean, I think anyone who's got skills that are are going to be at home in the 21st century economy can contribute. And, you know, whether you're a community organizer that's really good at empathizing with people and making them feel hospitable, hospitable in, in, uh, in your community, whether you've got design skills, whether you're a really good writer and you can contribute documentation, that there's a place for – there's a place for you in the 21st century economy, but uh, you gotta engage. You gotta figure out what drives you, and you've gotta um, you've you've gotta make connections with the people who are who are running these projects, and and figure out where you can add value. I mean, I think that one of the hardest things for us at at Gitcoin at about galvanizing our community, and I'm not sure it, ex- it it extends to Enigma. Maybe you could you can tell me is just. As the founder of Gitcoin, I have all of this situational awareness in my head from fixing a bug or from talking to you or reading the latest Vanguard report about the future of work, about what could add value to Gitcoin. But the amount of work that it takes to like write that up, to, to synthesize that, write that up into a specification for something that I need and actually deliver on it is there's just a lot of, there's a lot of work that, that comes into creating that. And so if you're a community member that can sort of understand the ethos and the value driving of a product and be a self-starter, create value without being explicitly asked for an atomized task that, that creates value, I think that's one way that, that, that someone can get ahead regardless of whether or not they're a coder in, in, in these projects. Figure out how to be a self-starter and figure out how to add value, be addicted to solving problems and, and adding value. And and that's the kind of person that I look for in the Gitcoin community and the Gitcoin core team.
1: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And, and all these roles that you've described, like people who are in communities or designers, you know, they're very, you know, oriented towards problem solving. And they don't have the same approach as, as a coder would, or as a software engineer would, like people are wired very differently in yeah. their approach to these problems. And that's part of, I'm sure what you were going and training through becoming a, a project or product manager is you learn to sort of manage all of these different approaches and personalities. Yeah. And, and really at the end of the day, as you're saying, the only thing that you have that can align all of these people, since they have such different approaches and perspectives is this alignment on the vision. And, and maybe that, goes back to what you said at the very beginning of the podcast is that it it just makes it so much more fulfilling, but maybe it makes it that much more powerful and effective to be running a mission and vision, you know, driven organization because everything else is so fluid. You know, that's that's kind of my approach at Enigma. And I think this is the approach of a lot of people in this space. And it sounds like yours as well. Put the thing at the center of your project that you know is not going to change and if you can orient everything else around that, then you've built something sustainable. If you put something in the middle right. that might change tomorrow, then, you know, yeah. th- don't be surprised when you've built something on sand and, and it all sort of crumbles away. It's, it's up to us as yeah. self-assigned leaders to, to find, communicate that vision and then put the right thing in the center.
0: Yeah, for sure. Immutability, another another example of the value of immutability. It all, t- of it all ties and, together. Uh, a mission. Well, yeah,
1: yeah exactly, sure. exactly. There, there are certain things that are that are supposed to be immutable in this space, and I, and I definitely think that that is one of them. And, and it's obvious that your passion for this is immutable. Uh, and and a lot of people (laughs) following along in the community as well. So if they're equally passionate, if they want to start, maybe they are developers and they want to start uh, applying for bounties through Gitcoin, maybe they're interested in where the products are going and and where you guys are building next, how can they follow you? How can they follow the project and and stay on top of everything that you guys are building?
0: Sure. If you Google Gitcoin, then you will find Gitcoin.co, which is the website where you can post bounties work on bounties post grants work on grants or or do ethical ads via code funds so just just check out gitcoin on uh gitcoin.co or twitter.com slash gitcoin and and hope to see some of your audience out there in the next in the coming days and weeks i'm i'm sure you will
1: and uh we look forward to working with gitcoin ourselves to to getting some bounties out there for some awesome stuff related to enigma stuff so i am i'm really looking forward to getting to play around with it more because i I have a lot of respect for what you've built and and where the vision is going so best of luck to you kevin and and thanks again for taking the time to talk to me I, i i think it was really illuminating
0: likewise thanks so much for having me on